Rudyard Griffiths here, the executive director of The Hub. Welcome to this, our regular Friday roundtable. We're doing this live and in person in The Hub offices, downtown Toronto on John Street, just off Busy Queen. And I am joined by my two compatriots at The Hub, Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, and Harrison Lohman, our managing editor. Guys, great to do this in person. Yes, it's amazing. I'm actually touching Sean Spear right now, if you can hear it, <laughs> Don't touch in the me. flesh. <laughs> Yeah, it's great to be in Toronto for a couple of days, uh, be with the team, uh, and kind of review where we've been at the Hub and where we're going. It's been a really productive couple of days. Yeah, thank you again for everyone who replied to my shameless uh, donor request for more Hub Fellows, our lifetime members. Uh, again, you can do that right now on our website, www.thehub.ca. All the support, greatly welcomed. Well, guys, a, a busy week to unpack and uh, I think we have to start with the comments made by the official leader of the opposition Pierre Polyev as it related to uh, a series of kind of hot button you know social issues particularly around women in sports men in women's washrooms all those things we generally don't talk about here at the hub but I think it's we should this week Sean and uh, Harrison because this has now become part of the political conversation at the national level. So let me come to you first, Sean, and just get your take. What do you think Pierre Polyev is doing here? Why now? Why raise these issues? Uh, what's the strategy? Is there a strategy? Yeah, worth noting, of course, that Parliament wasn't sitting this week, and so it could have been a quiet week, and Pierre Polyev decided it not to, to make be. it very loud. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, I think it is important to start from the assumption um, that this wasn't an accident, that this was an intentional decision to come out on these issues where we're at different times, particularly as it relates to uh, some of the issues concerning uh, trans people. He's been a bit apprehensive. You know, he's he's tried to mostly um, push it down to the provincial level where a lot of these kind of practical questions reside. Um, and yet this week he came out uh, firmly in favor of, of separate spaces for men and women uh, and and separate uh, sports for men and women. And it should be said, um, in favor of restrictions on for online pornography, uh, which in, in some ways conflicts with the kind of libertarian politics that he's that he's positioned himself as so committed to. So it was, it was a big week um, on, on, on these issues. And it, it raises, I think, some interesting questions about, about strategy. I'll, I'd be interested in, in, in your perspective, in the two viewers' perspective, but it seems to me this is a kind of calculated risk on, on his part that a lot of mainstream voices um, uh, fail to kind of understand the politics of these issues, that there is a kind of silent majority in favor of of um, of what he outlined, and 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 I'll just turn and a silent majority amongst women as well, uh, and I, I think that in that sense, this may be a calculated risk that that ultimately bears bears out for the conservatives. We will, I promise, get to the substance of some of these policy debates and issues because they're generally important, and we should talk about them because they are an element, a dimension of public policy. That's kind of what the hub is all about—the intersection of public policy and politics. But Harrison, to come to you, you know. Sean is very, what do I say, char charitable, kind to kind of dress, I would say, dress up a little bit, Pierre Polyab's remarks in the context of, of strategy. What do you think of the contention that 
this may be much more personal. Um, I think there's an aspect of Pierre Polyev that's made him an incredibly efficient and effective politician, which is he loves to be in the media cycle. He loves blowing up Twitter. How much of this do you think is like thoughtful, coherent, programmatic, you know, messaging versus, man, I, I've been, you know, I haven't blown up Twitter in, you Itching know, to blow it up. Yeah. yeah, 72 hours and like, let's press go. Like you have a lot of people saying you're so many points ahead. Why dip your toe into these waters? Uh, and I think I think he he really he likes being the 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 official leader of now his majesty's loyal opposition so much so that I think what was it when he met Biden he said you know I am I am the uh, head of his majesty's uh, official opposition he he digs being in opposition to things he in many ways can't help himself like I, is that a f fair phrase to use Rudyard when it comes to this week like and I don't. He he revels in making these comments, and I, I, I don't think he necessarily um, is that hurt by the blowback. It doesn't get to him. So Sean, let's come back at you again. You're uh, we're practically turning this into a debate. I enjoy it. You know, are you really convinced? Are you genuinely convinced that there is, you know, someone maybe days before, maybe weeks before, saying to to him within his kind of leadership team, okay, guys, we're going to go out on this. It's time. We're going to drop a message. And if so, what are the reasons, Sean? Let's dig a bit deeper here. What's the X, Y, and Z of, of why now and why push on these things that we know? We know, Sean, play into the liberal playbook, which is to paint him as a a, a mini-me to Donald Trump. Importing American uh, stuff. I think for a while, you know, this issue blew up in New Brunswick, of course, um, and, uh, something that we, we wrote a little bit at the Hub at, at the time. And I think Polyev tried to skate on most of these issues. He tried to say things like, as I said earlier, that these are ultimately up to provinces, it's not, not a federal issue, and so on. And I, I think that that message fell flat for a lot of conservatives, including within within the, the caucus. And so I think at some point he, he came to the realization he had to pick a lane, that these issues are just too um, hot, and particularly amongst conservatives, that trying to search for a, a, a procedural middle ground was just not going to cut it. And, and so I, it's worth noting next month he's doing a major event in New Brunswick with uh, New Brunswick Premier Blaine Higgs. Uh, and I, I think at a certain point they made the call that they were going to kind of lean in, that the politics were in their favor. And I would just make one other point because uh, I was with some friends last night. And one thing that drives a lot of conservatives crazy is the tendency to characterize um, the position that Pierre Polyev has set out uh, as, as trying to invoke a culture war. I think what a lot of conservatives would say is that all he's trying to do is to restore uh, a, a kind of settled position on something that's highly divisive. And it's it's actually progressives that are the ones uh, ad, ad, advancing the culture war when it comes to trans issues and other issues. And so in that sense, I, I really do think um, that, well, there are some risks that can play into to, to some of the things you talked about, Rudyard. I, I think the conservatives, you know, they were responding to, I think, an immediate issue within conservative politics. 
Um, but I think the position he articulated this week will actually find resonance with a broader share of the public. Can I? Can I just add? Just it, it's well, you've you pulled out your phone. Yeah, you like, were, and you were googling like this. Is I'm good, Harris. I know I'm using machine. Yeah, I'm using you know, machine. Harrison, I, don't, I don't know if we can invite you back. I'm on sorry. Table. I mean, I'm sorry, Sean and I, I, Sean and I don't play that way. We don't pull out the phone and start googling our rebuttal. I'm just but trying go to get ahead. my facts right, so it's not fake news, right? <laughs> so like, it's got. I'm just you know, this also passed along the 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 news ticker this week, and like, it's rough to have. You know, agree or disagree with what Pierre Polyev saying. I, I wonder how his staffers felt. You know, this is the same week that a non-binary teen in Oklahoma, you know, ended up dying. The CBC saying now she didn't die directly from injuries sustained a, in this sort of school altercation over uh, going into a restroom. But like, just the optics of that. I don't know. I don't know how that. So, so let so let me try to bring it to, to questions of policy. I I think the washroom stuff. You know, is kind of silly to to fight over if if guys want to go into girls' washrooms and girls into guys, and there's tampons in both. I'm okay with that. What I do find interesting, as of like a policy debate, and in my other hat I wear at the Monk debates, we've done podcasts on men participating in women's sports because here I think is a genuine opportunity for conservatives to stand up for women's rights and. I just find it very interesting when I believe it was the prime minister this week kind of, you know, claiming that invoking the idea of, you know, science based, evidence based kind of reasoning when it comes to public policy. Well, if there ever was a question, a debate that needs the application of science to it, it is men participating in women's sports. It is now well documented through multiple uh, studies and clinical trials that the anthropogenic effects of testosterone in the male body cannot be suppressed in terms of the competitive advantage through hormone supplements, that your your bones are longer, they're denser, your muscle structure uh, is different. Uh, this was the one area I thought if, you know, if I was Pierre Polyev, that he almost could have had more fun with Sean. He could have really positioned himself as a champion of women's rights. The prime minister is denying, in a sense, this very special thing, which is took women a long time to be able to compete against each other, to have their own uh, legitimate athletic contests at the same level as, as men, and to do so in the same bloody biological category that's the one frankly that really gets me at times you know deeply perplexed and frankly a bit pissed off yeah i can hear that in your voice i i mentioned i mentioned the, the notion of a culture war earlier i think one of the reasons we're seeing conservatives not just pierre Polly, but across the country and even in other anglo-american countries kind of lean in on these issues of women in sport and and, and trans issues more broadly is because conservatives have a pretty dismal record when it comes to the culture war. It doesn't feel like a culture war. It feels like a cultural shellacking. Um, but this seems to be an entry point on on this set of issues where I think the progressives have overreached and conservatives actually are uh, aligned with a, a broad um, cross-section of the public. Okay, so, so, so let, 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 I'm going to come to Harrison because let me test this. Because what I enjoy about the three of us being together is, you know, I'm in my early 50s, you're in your 40s, Harrison's in his 30s. So we, in a sense, have, you know, people who'd grow up in different cohorts with different points of view. So my question to you, Harrison, is amongst your age group, how does this go down? Like, is this, 
like, should we be understanding some of these conversations generationally versus thinking as Sean might assert that there are broader, you know, disagreements or consensuses that exist in society around these types of debates that, that, you know, I don't know, go across age, age ranges. Well, like if you just pull the lens back, I don't know. I've heard the argument be made that both sides are are obsessive over something that really is only what 0.0 whatever percentage of the population. I think I have friends on the in the center or on the left who are kind of sort of sick of Trudeau and we're kicking the poly of tires. But when you start hearing, uh, you know, talk of bathrooms and the, you know, uh, trans people on the sports fields and his sort of opposition to that, that it gets to be sort of icky to them and they maybe back away a bit and sort of reconsider. Um, again, I don't know how much of that is generational, but it's definitely something I've heard. Uh, I don't know how widespread it is, but that's some of the sense I'm getting from younger folks. Yeah, I, I think that in a way is this the strongest argument against having leaned in on this issue this week, that the conservatives have prosecuted an effective case on on the economy, on affordability, on the kind of overall message of Canada is broken, and the extent to which this moves them off that message, which is clearly fertile ground for them, onto something that you know I, I'm prepared to accept is at least, one could say, unclear ground, um, even though I think on balance it's still a, a, a calculated risk that's likely to pay off. I think that is the, that is the biggest that is the biggest criticism of, of of what they've done this week, which is that they've in a way diluted a message that was really working for them. But I I want to, if you'll bear with me, I want to take up uh, the online pornography issue because I, I think in some ways, at least for me, it's more interesting um, because I, as as Harrison says, and, and I think it's more relevant, frankly, yeah, to exactly and, and explain just just for listeners what that included, like what what did he actually say? So. Polly, there's a, a piece of legislation that's made its way through the Senate. It is now going to come to the House of Commons soon. And parliamentarians are going to have to take a position. And the legislation, uh, which is pretty vague and poorly drafted, uh, conceptually seeks to establish age verification requirements for online pornography and imposes penalties on, on um, websites that fail to abide by the system of age verification. It's a piece of legislation that's inspired, at least in part, um, by a model that's now taking shape in the United Kingdom. And I think an, a, a, an increasing sense in our society that pornography, the ubiquity of pornography but has... Sean, just, just to deconfuse me, isn't there something called the like Online Harms Act, which is a liberal bill that the conservatives have previously voted against that would ostensibly try to do some of these exact same things? So, so it's a great question. In fact, timely one, because we're going to see renewed online harms legislation from, from the liberals maybe as early as next week. Now, that legislation is principally focused on issues around uh, hate speech and you know so-called misinformation and disinformation, but it's possible that it also that the eventual legislation also tries to speak to these issues around online pornography. The point is... Um, um, this week, when asked if Pierre Polyev would support at least the intent behind um, S210, he said yes. Um, and that has provoked quite a, a reaction, including amongst conservatives. Uh, if listeners await on Monday, we'll have competing uh, essays at the Hub uh, from two people on the right, one in favor of Pierre Polyev's position of, of trying to impose some type of age verification system for online pornography, and another who thinks that this is blasphemous, that it represents a kind of offense 
to Pierre Polyev's libertarianism. And, and so I think in that sense, it is a, a fascinating um, case where Pierre Polyev's personal libertarianism, this is someone who, of course, at different times has said that if he had his druthers, his party would be called the Mind Your Own Business Party, is actually stepping in and saying the state has an interest in the business of young people accessing online pornography. I, I say that not necessarily because I'm opposed to what he's done here, but it does show um, that he's less dogmatic, I think, than some people think he is, that his worldview is more nuanced, or at least his political antenna is going to lead him into, into directions that aren't necessarily governed by a kind of unyielding libertarian ideology. I think, I think both of these issues go back to the idea of like kids and children and youth, right? That's, I guess, how you can sort of think of them being under one banner. You know, this idea of sort of, uh, you know, parental rights and, you know, protecting young kids. And then, you know, in terms of their development, that limiting their access to like, you know, what can be some very rough stuff that they're exposed to at a young age, sort of just at their fingertips now in their, in their hands and their smartphones. Like, I guess you can kind of group them together like that. Look, I, I think it's popular as a parent of young children. You know, it's something I worry about, especially for my daughter. I think that young women, as I understand it, have to deal now with young men that are exposed to many cases, uh, you know, pretty explicit pornography that, you know, often portrays, you know, portrays yeah. the, uh, you know, the denigration of, of women and that this is now, you know, a kind of, a reality of the sexual lives of of young women and young men who are learning from from very different pornography than the, you know again I'm 53 the pornography of my youth which was you know ma you know Playboy magazines and stuff that seems comparatively you know tame and naive compared to the majority again which is one click away so I it's fascinating because I think you know there is this notion in Canada that the state has no role in the bedrooms of the nation, as Pierre Elliott Trudeau expressed, and and that really uh, our embrace as as we should of gay marriage and the ability of people to define their lives around their sexuality. But I think there are limits on this. There's limits where people want the state to protect, and because these are real harms. Exactly, and it has to be said that. This announcement, which again is a bit surprising, because it, because the the conservatives have been um, so deeply opposed to any attempts to regulate the internet that the Trudeau government has advanced, including C11, the Streaming Act, C18, um, the, the 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 Online News Act, and then of course, as you mentioned, previous iterations of of the online harms legislation. But I, I think I think your instinct is right, and I would just add it's against a backdrop um, of a, a kind of real turmoil in the social relationships between men and women. We had a piece this week on declining fertility. We're seeing increasing polling data that shows a growing um, ideological divide between women, men and women. You mentioned, Roger, the extent to which it's, it's creating um, uh, complicated sexual dynamics between young men and young women. I, I, I do think that you know we've had this 20 or 30 year experiment of ubiquitous pornography online, and we're starting to realize that it's it's produced real harms in our society. And so there'll be a lot of questions on how you do this. I think there are like legitimate concerns around the practicalities of imposing an age verification system. But it comes back, I guess, to my broader point, which is I, I think you need to understand Pierre Polyev as an as a highly disciplined, highly intentional politician that takes risks, but they're not they're not um, they're not reckless risks. They're calculated risks, and I think on, on both of these issues, he's taken a risk this week that he's on 
um, he's on the side with the majority of the public, and he's in effect, um, he's in effect kind of pulled the liberals in to a political wedge that I think he ultimately thinks is in his interest. So, so this was his doing, you would say. Like, this is not people whispering in his ear and, you know, number crunchers behind the scenes. This is this is something he feels personally strongly about, so much so that he would step out my, into the fray. My gut is, I, I, I think there's an instance where you shouldn't underestimate the role of the Conservative Caucus, particularly the on, online pornography issue, because um, they would have had to meet in recent weeks to talk about how the Conservatives will respond to this piece of legislation that's coming um, before the House of Commons in, in, in the not-too-distant future. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a critical mass of conservative MPs who said there's no bloody way I'm going to stand up in Parliament and impose legislation that attempts to solve some of the issues that Rudyard raised. And, and so in that sense, um, Pierre Polyev, even whatever he w thinks, he may have been in a position where he had no choice, that he needed to come out firmly against this and, and similarly firmly uh, in, in, in favor of, of some of the issues with respect to trans people. Let's take a quick break. And before we do, just to alert listeners to a great essay by Amal Adder Guzman, the producer of this podcast and a writer at the Hub on Taylor Swift and the use of these new uh, machine learning tools to create new types of pornography, subjecting women to new forms of, uh, of degradation. Wow, way to go. Anyway, thank you, Amal, for that essay. Thank you for producing this podcast. Let's take a short break. Back on the other side. Hi, Hub Podcast listeners. Maybe you've seen in this very same podcast feed a new program called Hub Headlines. It features the best analysis and thinking of our writers each and every morning. It's delivered to you in a convenient audio format in this podcast feed. All you have to do is click and download. Instead of reading Sean Spear, Howard Englund, Ginny Roth, any one of the terrific writers contributing to The Hub each daily, you can listen to them on the go. It's convenient. It's built for people like you with busy lives. If you're multitasking, if you enjoy The Hub but can't get on a screen, check out Hub Headlines. We've got you covered with the audio version of The Hub's best commentary and analysis each day. Again, you can grab this all on the same podcast feed that you are listening to this program now. Simply download each morning Hub Headlines and enjoy our best analysis and insights. Welcome back to the Hub Roundtable. This week we're doing it live in person at the Hub's offices on downtown Toronto. I'm joined by Sean Spear, our editor-at-large, Harrison Lohman, our managing editor, Guys, it's coming up. I think it's the 27th of February, 40 years, important anniversary. Do you know what happened? I'm very curious. What is that? The walk in the snow. So Pierre Elliott Trudeau, 40 years ago, as he did often in his somewhat uh, you know, poetic and uh, or self-aggrandizing manner, took a walk in the snow uh, in Ottawa, I believe on the grounds of Rideau Hall, and uh, decided that he was leaving politics. There's another Trudeau, no doubt, who's aware of that anniversary, mere days away. And as we discussed on the show last week, polling in Canada by Nanos that 3%, 3% of Canadians believe that he should continue to lead the Liberal Party of Canada, literally within the margin of error of the poll. So conceivably, nobody believes that he should continue to, to lead uh, the party. So let's talk about this just to go out on, on a lighter note uh, at the end of the show here. Harrison, what 
what do you think the chances are that this prime minister, often very motivated by his father, a kind of at times like a lot of men in politics, a kind of Oedipal relationship uh, with with the father figure, could we? Could we hope? Could we expect the possibility of a recreation well, of of a walk in the snow for, next week by by another Trudeau? First of all, Roger, there's no snow, so I'm sorry. <laughs> That's true. It's, we're Damn looking it. out. I think the weather's probably similar in Ottawa at the, one of the most gorgeous sunny days that we've seen in the last while. Uh, secondly, I think you're right. I think he thinks about his dad and his dad's legacy a lot. If you look at videos or pictures from his office in the PMO, there are there are political cartoons of his dad hanging there, which I think he looks at frequently. Uh, and I, he probably lines up his political career against his dad sometimes when he's sort of thinking about it. You know, he kind of looked out of gas in interviews a few weeks ago, but I will say he did an interview at an Edmonton, I guess an Albertan uh, podcast this week uh, where he opened himself up to, you know, all the criticism from the oil and gas sec- sector and uh, talked to a few people. He looks like he has a pep in his step. He insists when asked that he will be around for the next election, whenever that is. Uh, but who do you hear saying, uh, you know, I really like what the guy has to say. I find him as inspiring as I did in 2015. Um, I love his haircut. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's gotta be hard for him to wake up every day, put on a blazer and, uh, head to work. Yeah. I think Pierre Polyev motivates him. Uh, yes. I, I, you know, that I've been around political leaders a bit. Um, I've even been around political leaders that didn't like one another, but there was like a general level of, of respect. Um, and one gets a sense that he doesn't have a lot of respect for Pierre Polyev, that, um, not only does he... You know, he may not like him personally. I think he actually thinks that Pierre Polyev would be bad for the country mm-hmm. and Pierre Polyev's position. Sean, when do politicians ever well, let me finish. not let me, think no, that no, their no. opponents are going to be, quote, no, bad no. for the country? Let, let me finish. I, I, I think, and Pierre Polyev coming out on trans issues uh, this week, will will which was reflected, I think, in the podcast yeah. interview that, that Harrison's mentioned, um, only reinforce that. So I, I think, in a sense, he can kind of get himself up um, convince himself that he needs to do this, that you know he's the only one standing between uh, Pierre Polyev and, and 24 Sussex or wherever the prime minister is leaving these days. And even in the face of some of these polls, I, I suspect his, his animus towards Polyev is, is fueling him a, a, a lot these days. Another phrase you hear a lot is those right-wing parties. And you know him standing in, the only thing standing between... Uh, he's the guy that's pushing back against these right-wing parties and disinformation. So yes. if not for him, then, you know, Canadians will be served up the following. And uh, But, you know, it's it has to be, it has to just be tough to go from the, you know, the highs of his first uh, government to the sense that you're, you know, deep in the slough of dis- despond, to, to paraphrase uh, Bunyan, you know, this is this has got to be psychologically tough, and and you know we're starting to see some cracks in yes. the caucus. You know, I mean, these MPs are staring down the possibility of an Ignatieff-style wipeout based on on these poll numbers, yes. and and I don't know. I mean, I agree. People are driven by motivations that are often deeply irrational. Heaven forbid, I've been, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm 
to blame like everyone else. So this is not to criticize the prime minister in any personal way. It's more just to say that what lies ahead of him, you almost feel sorry for him because what lies ahead is just, I think, a slough of despond, like just a miserable experience of being slowly pulled down by the people around you, your your political staff, your advisors, caucus. It, it just... It's going to happen. Can, can I just add, Rudyard, what does it do psychologically to a politician when every visit they make, I'll say specifically here in Toronto, there are people on bullhorns that will wait. They look at his schedule. They will wait outside in the dozens and they will scream, F you, traitor, you know, ad nauseum. Like it's... It's a lot. Can you imagine every meeting you leave in the in the right, every restaurant in you the try largest to, city of your country? You yeah, every restaurant you try and to go have to, an Indian meal. There are people. VJ's. I've been there. Shout out to VJ's in Vancouver. Yeah, amazing even, restaurant. The guy can't even put Nan in his mouth without having someone screaming up in his face. Like, and, and let it be known, I think these people are you know Palestine that time. Yeah, like so the, you're getting it from the right end. Left. It's just, I don't know what that does to someone after a while. Like. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I'd add to the conversation on this particular subject is there's also at some point like your biggest success as a politician, you're not fully responsible for and your biggest failures, you're not fully responsible for either. It's, uh, you know, some at some at some instances, things just sort of cumulatively go well. And then similarly, things tend to sort of cumulatively go poorly. You know, I, I it just seems like every week. There's just something, another issue stacked on top of another. I mean, we're speaking, guys, uh, at a time when the ArriveCan app is just, I think we're still just scratching mm-hmm. the surface. Um, we had testimony this week that, you know, I don't know if ultimately this issue lands in the kind of the arm or the lap of the political arm of government. Um, but there are so many unanswered questions at this at, at this point that it seems to me premature to kind of rule it out. And... And so, yeah, I, I do think that, you know, he, he need to find some motivation to keep going. And, and that's why I say I, I think in a lot of ways his animus towards Polyev is what he's left with. So fun to uh, to do this in, in person, guys. And uh, great to have you here in Toronto today, Sean. Harrison, thanks for coming on the program. And just a reminder to our listeners that, Hub Headlines is there for you each and every morning. You can listen to Sean and Harrison um, have their pieces that they've written for you narrated for you by the Hub. So if you're busy, if you're you don't have time or you don't want time on a screen, you can grab the best insights, the best analysis of the Hub in the same podcast feed that you're listening to this program right now. Just look for Hub Headlines comes out each and every morning. So thanks for listening to the Hub Roundtable. I'm Rudyard Griffiths, the Executive Director of the Hub. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Hub Roundtable. If you've enjoyed what you've just heard, come on over to www.thehub.ca and check us out. You'll find all kinds of great commentary, analysis, and insights by our writers, including Sean Spear. While you're there, consider clicking on the Join button. This will take you to our complimentary membership offer. Put in your email, and we will send you each Saturday a compilation of our best writing and commentary from the week that was. 
We really appreciate your support, and we also greatly appreciate the support of the Linda Frum and Howard Sokolowski Foundation and the Maxine and Ira Gornowski Gluskin Foundation for making these podcasts possible. The Hub Roundtable is produced and edited by Amal Otter Guzman. Thank you for listening.